welcome to another exciting episode of Mumble Wumble the Harry Potter podcast. I'm Prashanthri and I'm Ashurya. This is season 2 episode 8. The title of this episode is Ron Follows the Spiders. Let's start with the summary. When we last left off things had just taken an unexpected turn. Hermione and a Ravenclaw prefect were found petrified in a corridor because of which Quidditch got cancelled, the curfew got enforced and Professor McGonagall tells the students that the school will likely be closed down unless the attacks are halted. Harry and Ron decide to visit and question Hagrid but they're interrupted by Dumbledore and the Minister of Magic Cornelius Fudge who've come to arrest Hagrid. When they're discussing their attacks, Lucius Malfoy enters with a petition from the Board of Governors calling for Dumbledore to step down. Hagrid and Dumbledore leave with Hagrid calling out behind him two instructions for Harry and Ron to follow the spiders to find the culprit and to feed Fang. Dumbledore's removal brings in a new era of terror but thankfully Harry is no longer the prime suspect. He and a reluctant Ron look for spiders unsuccessfully until a fateful herbology class where he spies a line moving towards the forbidden forest. They set out that night with Fang and run into a community of spiders headed by an elderly blind spider named Aragog. The boys learn from Aragog that the school thought he was the monster within the chamber but really he'd been given to Hagrid as an egg and raised in captivity. They also learn that the monster in the chamber is the creature most feared by spiders and because of that its name is not spoken by them. They also learn that the creature's victim was found in a bathroom and that soon after the event Hagrid set Aragog free in the forest. After informing them of this, Aragog instructs his children to eat them, but thankfully the Weasley scar comes to the rescue. Initially they're discouraged that their John got them no clues, but Harry realizes once he's back in his bed that the girl found in the bathroom 50 years back could be Morning Myrtle. students will return to their house common rooms by 6 o'clock in the evening no student is to leave the dormitories after that time you will be escorted to each lesson by a teacher no student is to use the bathroom unaccompanied by a teacher i think this curfew must have been in place immediately after the first attack itself i don't know if this will really help anything but the complete non reaction to these attacks for so long is a bit surprising i think any school would have placed some kind of curfew by now yeah i mean colin creevy got attacked and justin finch fletchley got attacked and only then after hermione and penelope clearwater get attacked do they bring in a curfew or any sort of security in the sense that teachers escort students to all classes to make sure that no one is alone yeah one reason they might have come to that conclusion is that all these students were alone when they were attacked but I don't think being in a group would really stop the attacks either. Lee Jordan voices out the opinion that we've been having for a long time now. Haven't any of the teachers noticed that the Slytherins are all safe? Isn't it obvious all this stuff's coming from Slytherin? The heir of Slytherin, the monster of Slytherin. Why don't they just chuck all the Slytherins out? I mean, that's the easiest conclusion to come to, except all the students were suspecting Harry for so long, which is really really stupid. It is really weird that the students wouldn't put two and two together earlier and look at Malfoy who seems unusually at ease with the whole situation but i think maybe there was no deliberate action against the slytherins because the teachers wouldn't want to seem prejudiced against the house mm, true i wonder if that's true or whether it has something to do with dumbledore because dumbledore knows a little bit about the previous attacks i mean the previous time the chamber was open and as he said he wondered about the how not about the who So he kind of has an idea about who's behind the attacks and he might think that the attacker is not from Slytherin or even if the attacker is from Slytherin it doesn't do well to punish the whole house just because of one person in it right 
Fair enough. But after all of this happens, another thing happens that is also something we've been talking about for a while, which is that Harry finally remembers that he has an invisibility cloak and that he can <laughs> use it. Yeah. Even before that, the prospect of the school shutting down is the thing that drives Harry to go talk to Hagrid. Which I thought was a little bit selfish of Harry, which is a little bit uncharacteristic of Harry because he didn't think of going and talking to Hagrid, the only lead he has, as soon as Hermione was attacked. He thought about it only when he realizes that he would not be able to come to Hogwarts again. He would have to live with the Dursleys. He kind of identifies with Tom Riddle. I agree. This is very unusual for Harry, who, whose motives are usually more heroic than personal. Yeah. I would have expected him to act as soon as he discovered it was Hagrid for the good of the school and not just when it personally starts to affect him. Well, the thing is, he did not go to Hagrid immediately because one, because Hagrid is a good friend, but also because the attack stopped after Harry finds out about Hagrid. They only start with this double attack. That's so, true. Talking to Hagrid after this attack makes sense. It's just that... When he comes to that conclusion in his mind, he thinks of living with the Dursleys. That's when he realizes that he has to stop this somehow. And he's like, Tom Riddle had the same drive. I don't know why he thinks that he can not only trust, but also think of Tom Riddle as someone who's like him. But he does that. Yeah, that's true. So they go to Hagrid's hut and Hagrid seems like really jumpy and nervous. He makes them tea, but he forgets to add the tea bags. So it's basically just hot water. I think that Hagrid being so hospitable, even when he's nervous, says a lot about him. That's true. He even like pulls out like fruitcake. Yeah. I really like that no matter when Harry and Ron and Hermione go to visit, Hagrid always gives them something to eat. I don't know if this is maybe like an English thing or maybe it's like a kid thing because mm. people try to free children a lot, right? Yeah. And you always like people who have food. Yes. Who give you food. I think J.K. Rowling uses food effectively to show a person's character. If you're being fed well by this person, then they're good. Hmm. I didn't think about it like that. <laughs> we compared Dursleys yes. and the Weasleys, right? Similar to that. Yeah. Also, it's pretty funny to imagine Hagrid baking. <laughs> right? Like Because some of the uh, things he serves them are his own personal yeah, like. Yeah. Almost all of them, actually. Yeah. Hagrid, I think, has a passion for baking because I'm sure that the school is providing more than enough for him to eat. But he always has something there, like the treckle fudge, the uh, fruitcake. And there's something, I think, in the previous book about uh, muffins on which Harry nearly breaks a tooth. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe the Hogwarts food is just too soft for him or something. That's, that's possible. Yeah. But yeah. On the way there, under their invisibility cloak, Harry and Ron see that a lot of people are patrolling the corridors and Ron stubs his toe on something and he swears at the same time as Snape sneezes <laughs> that, and that's the only reason they escape. Mm-hmm. Somehow I cannot imagine Snape sneezing. Me neither. <laughs> I cannot imagine villains or evil people sneezing or being sick. Because they never are. Yeah, they really aren't. I mean, you never find out that Voldemort has stopped his reign of terror because he had a cold for a couple of days and he was under the weather. Or like, they never get cancer. Yes. <laughs> Actually, I'm sure there's there are super villains out there whose motive is that, you know, they have cancer and so they want to like destroy the world. Mm. The sickness is never inconsequential. I was also surprised to see that Hagrid was ready with a crossbow. I don't know who he was expecting, but whoever it is. Slytherin's monster. Slytherin's monster or maybe Tom Riddle in some way. 
I don't know whoever it is like how can you possibly stop them with the crossbow I'm not certain either I mean we know that he has the remains of his wand in his pink umbrella but he chose to arm himself with the crossbow instead which says a lot about the kind of visitor that Hagrid is expecting Yeah I think it says a lot but I'm not able to guess anything Yeah but even before Harry and Ron could get answers to any of their questions they are interrupted by Dumbledore and Cornelius Fudge the minister of magic and they quickly hide themselves in one corner of Hagrid's hut and Dumbledore and Fudge come in and looks like Dumbledore is clearly against what Fudge wants to do and i also think as a minister of magic he should have a little more sense than to do something just because he should seem like he's doing something i think it just goes to set up the political situation you've heard a lot about the ministry of magic so far that it's just as bureaucratic as the muggle governments and stuff like that but it also goes to show us that well cornelius fudge is no different from a lot of politicians that we know as well who are just acting for the sake of acting mm-hmm. like when the news spreads about the attacks he's just taking in hagrid because he knows he has to like the ministry has to act quickly so there's not even like time for like any kind of investigation whatsoever but the thing is they could have acted in the right way they could have sent some force in, into the school they could have investigated students about things that they saw or heard instead of teachers and prefects patrolling the corridors it could be someone from the magical community or they could have just like evacuated the school temporarily and just gone over the whole school looking for like this monster Yeah, they are very very cavalier about the students safety. safety. I also was kind of disappointed by this whole conversation because all Dumbledore really says is that Hagrid has his full confidence and I don't know if that usually works for Dumbledore but he doesn't even attempt to like prove that Hagrid isn't the person behind the attacks. Either he's smart enough to know that his attempts will be in vain. I just think that they had a conversation in Dumbledore's office already and Dumbledore tried to dissuade him from doing this as much as possible. and fudge still wanted to do it and that's why they are in hagrid's hut now based on what dumbledore says it feels like it's something that they have discussed many times before yet again cornelius i tell you that taking hagrid away will not help in the slightest but fudge's actions are so wrong that even someone as dumb as lockhart is getting the point right he's like my dear young man the minister of magic wouldn't have taken hagrid if he hadn't been 100% sure that he was guilty which is what the ministry should have done yeah and then lucius malfoy walks in through the door he's kind of the last person you would expect at this point in time but i guess jk rowling decided to use him because he's already been introduced as someone with an in with the board of governors he comes in with a petition from 12 governors calling for dumbledore's removal as headmaster i'm actually a little bit with the governors on this because like we just discussed right like a lot of things had to happen four students had to be attacked before a curfew was put in place and regular patrols were set up and even then like you said teachers and students are the ones taking any kind of measures right i can understand parents at home panicking and i can understand the board of governors thinking if dumbledore cannot do anything to stop the attacks if he's not showing that you know steps are being taken then maybe they should put someone in place who can do something about it yeah but clearly lucius malfoy is not acting in the best interest of the students even if, if lucius malfoy is not acting in the best interest of students i think it's unfair that hagrid says that you know how many did you have to bribe because i think if i were a parent with my kid in that school and this was happening i would be signing that petition too but whatever is happening is just larger than dumbledore himself i think one set of parents or at least most parents might also think that if their children have any chance it's only with dumbledore around and i am sure that even the governors know that and that's the only reason why lucius malfoy's concern 
comes across as really fake as a pure blood he knows that his son is safe but he acts as if he cares about muggle born children when he doesn't and he knows that removing dumbledore is the quickest way to get rid of all the muggle born children either their parents will like bring them back or they'll die or they'll get attacked it's just i think even if dumbledore were in place if muggle born parents got to know about what was going on they'd call their children back i'm sure they do no do they we've discussed this i think but i'm not certain that they'd know the full extent of what is happening because imagine you are in this situation and you're writing letters home to your parents saying that you know what something's going on and is attacking students like me and i'm really worried and stuff like that what do you think your parents would say come back home. yeah stop your education right now <laughs> yes like and these are skeptical parents who are not magical they yeah. have no idea about the world of magic the only thing they know is muggles and i'm sure they're going to be like i just want my child to be safe mm. it doesn't matter if they never like learn to be a wizard there's a world for them here i also think that there's a bigger politics at play here mm-hmm. because maybe fudge did offer to help yeah and dumbledore refused because he did not want the school to come under forces that don't think of the best interests of children or the best interests of the community at large because the school is not just a place for education for this community it's a very symbolic thing and making sure that the school is in the hands of educators only i'm sure that means a lot i'm sure that letting people like the governors or the minister of magic make some decisions about the school will affect the students a lot and will take them in a direction that children are not supposed to be taken in no i completely agree with you i don't think the ministry of magic should be in control of the school because political climate shouldn't mix with education and the board of governors are super removed and they shouldn't be making decisions either yeah i think that's the power struggle and we have three centers of power in hagrid's heart right now the way hagrid talks to lucius malfoy at this point it feels like they have some bad blood going on mm-hmm. but none of this was revealed when we saw them meeting in diagon alley i think lucius malfoy has bad blood with basically everybody on the good side of uh, the community <laughs> but in spite of protests from hagrid dumbledore graciously agrees to leave the school and like honor the suspension and he says a very cryptic sentence and leaves You will find that I will only truly have left this school when none here are loyal to me. It's almost as if he knows that Harry and Ron are there, which I think was pretty obvious because there were like two cups of tea and Thank you for bringing that up. I was really surprised that no one brought it up, right? There's like two cups of tea there, fruit cake, I'm sure chairs are arranged, arranged in, yeah. in such a way that it looks like you're someone visiting, but neither Fudge nor Malfoy like comment. Yeah, they don't care. Fudge and Malfoy are thinking about the bigger scheme of things. But I think that is one of the best things about Dumbledore. He understands that a lot of little things make a difference. He is not only obsessed about what's happening on top, though he has to play that game too. He is always going at the roots of things to figure out how this particular student or this particular person can make a change in the bigger scheme of things i think that is one of the reasons why he celebrated also i completely agree with you because when i thought about it initially i was like you know that's the only way dumbledore could have possibly known that you know there was someone else in the room there and i'm sure it's a fair easy guess that it's harry and ron but i also read on reddit that jk rowling said in an interview that dumbledore actually cast a charm when he entered the Mm-hmm. hut and he realized that there are two people there so it's not just 
acute powers of observation but i would like to believe the former yeah because i was thinking about this idea too like he cast a charm and he may be new but it's just simpler i agree but that's Maybe. what i read in the interview yeah. that jk rowling said that he cast a charm called hominum revelio oh yeah and comes up later in the book also yeah but the thing is either way he would have only known that there are more people in the hut not exactly who but no, he I think realizes he, who it, he could have taken a fair guess like who else would be visiting hagrid who else would be visiting hagrid have the power to be invisible yeah maybe he did not even care if ron was there or not yeah. and his message could have meant to be only for harry you will also find that help will always be given at hogwarts to those who ask for it that's one of the most iconic lines it's not really something that you can take and apply in your life mm. But I really like that. I also like that it's completely dissociated from Dumbledore. He doesn't always say help will always be given to people who ask me for it or anything yeah. like that. He says it's as though Hogwarts will always respond. Then he leaves and Hagrid also says cryptic stuff and leaves. If anyone wanted to find out some stuff, all they'd have to do would be to follow the spiders. Hagrid is being taken to Azkaban on like a flimsy evidence actually no evidence at all he's not able to accept it as graciously as dumbledore did his suspension but he also leaves and they leave harry and ron to wonder about all these messages to them so this is the second time in this book that the events of the next book are hinted at this wasn't the case in book 1 where we had no idea what was hap- what was going to come in book 2 which also tells us a little bit about how i guess how jkr envisioned the series she probably didn't expect there would be a second book but Maybe. in the second book she knows yeah the third book she has a happening. lot of links to the yeah. third book it's pretty cool because a lot of things discussed here when you put it in the context of the third book it makes sense yes mainly hagrid's fear of going to azkaban it's not any prison yes. and but we'll talk about it when we get to the third season <laughs> and one more thing i wanted to note was lucius malfoy not only degrades hagrid's hut but he also degrades his accent he degrades who hagrid is and i think that's the lowest of the low yeah that's true this is completely unnecessary hagrid is already down kicking him then he's just like yeah. mean and i like that it doesn't really affect hagrid also like why would it yeah the hut is the cutest thing ever <laughs> okay <laughs> it is very adorable in the movies i agree But then Harry and Ron don't immediately try and go follow the spiders. They wait around for a while. They realize that the school is turning into even more of a fearful place because Dumbledore is not around. Even though McGonagall is the deputy headmistress and she's taken charge now, she doesn't give off the same I will save you from anything vibes as Dumbledore, even though he let like four attacks happen. <laughs> yeah, thank you for bringing that up because when I was reading that part, I was very confused about why everybody was like fear of Dumbledore is what is keeping the attacker at bay because four attacks did happen and in the time that McGonagall has been heading school, nothing happened. That's not a lot of time. Still, I feel like Dumbledore has a reputation that he hasn't really earned with the readers yet. <laughs> True. The single person who's rejoicing in this climate of terror is Draco Malfoy. Mm. Just like his father, he is going around, he's literally strutting around, talking about how it would be only a short amount of time and all the muggle-borns would be, would leave or be killed. And he he's sucking up to Snape for some reason. He's like, why don't you apply for the position of the headmaster? And Snape doesn't look like the kind of person who would entertain this. Exactly. I think Snape's relationship with Malfoy is extremely weird because... Yeah. I'm not certain if he actually likes him or dislikes him. I think that's also a part of the politics. 
And I think there's a lot to uncover here, which we cannot talk about right now. Yeah. But please make a mental note. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that it's not just Harry, Ron and Hermione who are bothered by what Malfoy is doing. Usually they are, right? But this time I found it funny that it was Seamus Finnegan who is like mimicking, vomiting into his cauldron, <laughs> listening to whatever Malfoy is saying. Yeah. I also like that the rest of the school is finally starting to clue in and look at Malfoy, who is so relaxed when yeah. this whole thing is happening. That Ernie Macmillan has this whole theory, finally, that it could be Malfoy. <laughs> and Ron is not able to take it. He's like, That's clever of you, said Ron, who didn't seem to have forgiven Ernie as readily as Harry. Even for Malfoy, this is like too dark for him to think that it should be Hermione who should have died or to envision Muggleborn's dying. Like, I don't think he understands the gravity of what he's wishing. Yeah, I don't think he does. He's a 12-year-old dipshit (laughs) (laughs) who has no idea about what he's talking about. Yeah, but I really like Ron in this episode because he is always on the edge. Not only is he really worried about Hermione, her attack has made him really nervous and twitchy and angry all the time. In most cases, it's Harry who's composed and like stopping him from doing something really stupid. I agree. When he tries to attack Malfoy and when he gets angry in Lockhart's class. Mm. I think it's the pressure of having to do the right thing also because he knows that he has to follow the spiders at some point. Yeah. Poor guy is afraid of spiders. And his friend is attacked. He's not able to take it. I think that Harry is surprisingly composed and Ron is reacting the way that any person whose friend is attacked would react. Yeah, I think that moment where they decide that they have to swallow the spiders that night is lovely. He looks at Hermione's empty seat in class and it like sort of gives him the courage to be like, okay, yes. Today, we're going to follow spiders no matter what. Yeah. I think we kind of get to know why Ron is in Gryffindor now. Like, I know that he helped out Harry and Hermione in the end of book one also. But I think this is real courage to know that you're afraid of something, but then go ahead and do it. I mean, they got the invisibility cloak again, and then they go to visit Fang, which was kind of weird to me because it was already established in book one that Fang is a coward. Hmm. So they're taking him into the forbidden forest so he can run away. Fang is a dog. So he knows things that humans would not know, like smell. And When the car reveals itself to them, Fang is the first thing that noticed it. It can sense danger from far away, right? It can smell. I mean, even if it runs away at some point, it's a really useful thing to have with you. Yeah, so they take Fang out into the forbidden forest where they run into the Weasley's car again, which comes towards them like a large turquoise dog. And I like that Ron says that the forest had made the car wide. Yes. <laughs> Based on the description, we know that Harry and Ron find it really difficult to walk through all the overgrown roots and branches. To think that a car could manage, you know, driving around in a place like this. The car really must have adapted to the forest really nicely. And I think that's one of the reasons why it takes a long time to reach the right Yeah, moments. that's true. Yeah. So they're like walking through the forest and it's getting darker and darker and darker. And then suddenly they're picked up by spiders. Yeah. And if it were me at this point, I would have expected to run into someone like Firenze. Yeah. So they could have solved the problem just like in book one. Yes. And like, you don't have to talk to the spiders. Just talk to me. Yeah. I know what is in the school. (laughs) Except that doesn't happen. And they end up being ushered into like this clearing, which has so many spiders that are huge spiders, like the size of cart horses, spiders, the size of elephants, elephants. And poor, 
Poor Ron. <laughs> I'd like to call out at this point that Rupert Grint is one heck of an actor <laughs> because this scene in the movie he's incredible. But I also think it was reduced to humor when you're afraid of something and you're forced to face your fears, the kind of emotions that you'll be going through. I don't think Ron from the movie appropriately shows that in his face. I think it'll be a life-changing moment and the movie played it up for laughs. I agree except I sort of thought that the book was also trying to sort of draw humor from it. J.K. Rowling's description of Ron is that his eye his mouth was open in a silent scream and his eyes were popping out. That's it. That's all he reacts through that whole scene with the spiders. He literally like is mute silently screaming. Yeah, but that appropriately depicts what you're feeling inside. Yes. But whereas Ron in the movie is he's like he's whiny. <laughs> Is like why did you bring me here? Yeah, is that after they get picked up by the spiders? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I thought when he's looking were... at the spiders. Though it's done really well. Mm. I'm just thinking that like we were just describing it takes an incredible amount of bravery yeah to do that and that moment is not given to Ron in the movie. It's really sad. That's true. But there's a description that kind of gives us an image mm-hmm. of what they're seeing. He realized that they had reached the ridge of a vast hollow. a hollow that had been cleared of trees so that the stars shone brightly onto the worst scene he had ever laid eyes on spiders the size of cart horses eight-eyed eight-legged black hairy gigantic really really scary i'm not afraid of spiders except if it's so huge i would be but even then i can imagine how disgusting it would be to stand there like, and to be surrounded by so many of them yeah I was really surprised to see that the spiders could talk in English. Yeah, I know. I've written that down too. Like, why do the spiders talk in English? These spiders are acromantlas, and looks like in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, acromantlas can talk in English. Okay. They are capable of understanding language and human speech. Yeah, but the scene like gets over really quickly. Like the minute they go there, Aragog just like volunteers information. I mean, just enough information so that it feels like we've learned something, but not enough so that the mystery is actually solved. They realize that Tom Riddle turned in the wrong person all those years ago, and that Aragog was not the monster that was terrorizing the school. Yeah. He says that he was in a cupboard the whole time, but the girl who was murdered was found in the bathroom. So there is no way he could have possibly hurt her. But when they try to ask Aragog about what the actual monster is, all the spiders react very like fearfully. Harry thinks later about this, and he realizes that the monster is kind of like a monster version of Voldemort because they are not re- not even ready to speak its name. Yeah, Aragog also confirms that the last time the girl was killed. due to the monster from the chamber of secrets he confirms that it was the monster from it because he could sense it yeah. and he wa- he told hagrid to let him out because he couldn't stay there hagrid was nice enough to let aragog escape and like find a family for him yeah and a wife <laughs> and a wife i don't know how a 13 year old got hold of a exotic animal's egg because the spider feed on humans he displays a lot of empathy and takes care of the spider even as a boy that just says a lot about hagrid again but as ron says later that is ha- exactly hagrid's problem he doesn't think that any monster is dangerous and he probably thought that them going into the forest and saying that you no know, they know hagrid would be enough to protect them but it clearly wasn't yeah i like that it didn't it wasn't enough to protect them because monsters should not be feeding those things it's not like a disney movie where every every animal turns into a dog for some reason yeah i agree <laughs> spiders are spiders them sparing hagrid itself is a big deal 
yeah to be honest thankfully in a very classic jk rowling move the car comes to the rescue mm. and gets them out back to hagrid's hut it was a nail biting moment from for me <laughs> when i first read it and it's so cool i like it better in the movies because the car arrives just in time to save harry ron and fang from hungry spiders <laughs> but for some reason in the book they see the car even before I don't understand the logic but okay still works also i like that throughout this whole thing harry is constantly observing ron he's not able to provide him a lot of comfort but he understands what ron is going through on some level harry looks sideways at ron his mouth was still open in the silent scream but his eyes weren't popping anymore are you okay and in the end when he violently throws up and talks about how this whole thing was a waste i don't think they suspected hagrid ever i don't think they really thought that hagrid was the one setting out the monsters anyway but harry says that they got the confirmation that hagrid is not doing it and there's some other monster in the school and i feel like maybe it's more to console ron to show him that the whole horrible experience was not for waste more than a revelation because they know that already and it's not a huge lead i think this is the perfect example to illustrate harry and ron's method of problem solving which is like test it and then like come to conclusion versus hermione who does the research mm. and then like comes to conclusion if hermione hadn't been petrified she would have done the research to prove that it wasn't hagrid who was setting the monster or that you know hagrid couldn't possibly have done it in some way or the other i'm sure there would have been like some obscure thing should have found that would have helped them come to that conclusion whereas harry and ron are not research researchers at heart they are more like jump into it may take conclusions from what is happening kind of people i'm not sure about that because hermione was not petrified for a long time after she found out information about hagrid if hermione had been in the hut when hagrid said follow the spiders to find the culprit i'm fairly certain she would have looked up everything she could about spiders and including what is mortal enemy and stuff like that and drawn her own conclusions from it so they go back they are like thoroughly shaken but at least they are satisfied that hagrid is not the real culprit and they go to bed and that's when harry realizes that he got another lead from this excursion which is that the person who got killed in the bathroom might not have left the bathroom at all and it could be morning mortal i really 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 like this i agree i remember the first time reading this and being like whoa yeah i mean there's not a lot of things happening in in these one and a half chapters but i really like them because a lot of chekhov's gun go off the car comes back we solve the mystery of the spiders they see spiders scuttling away now we know where they are going and uh, the dead girl the girl from the bathroom is none other than morning mortal who they have been meeting the whole year many many times they have been making fun of this person except none of them thought about asking her what happened how did you die because they never ask a ghost that anyway which is really sad So that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to us. In the next episode we will be talking about the events leading up to Ron's sister being taken. I mean Ron can't catch a break in this book. He really can't. <laughs> yeah, that's chapter 16, The Chamber of Secrets and chapter 17, The Heir of Slytherin. If you'd like to discuss the events of this episode with us, feel free to drop a comment on our website mimblewimble.in. You can also follow us on social media. I'm Vale Andechim. which is a doctor who reference prashanti is underscore empress m p r a s and the podcast is mimble mimble pod see you in the next episode until then go i think not